Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A, a BJJ, BJJ Marriage. Marriage, where we talk about our lives as a married jujitsu couple. Hey, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say. What other things do we say? Ni hao. Bonjour. Ni hao. Hello. Hola. Nick Obrigado. is learning Mandarin. I am learning Mandarin. And I'm Portuguese. also learning Portuguese. And English. And I'm still learning English. I've never stopped learning English. Actually, the dictionary app, like dictionary.com, they have a dictionary app, and it sends you a word of the day. Do you have the dictionary app on your phone? Yes, absolutely. For what it has a thesaurus also. Okay. <laughs> so does Google. <laughs> yeah, but it takes you to dictionary.com for the thesaurus. Okay. Anyway. Fantastic. Hi, guys. App. Welcome to another episode of A BJJ Marriage. We're your hosts, Nick and Brittany Lee. Should... Yes. I feel like... Cheers. So we were told by someone that we need to come up with like one thing that we do every single episode, and I feel like that's the only thing we do, so we should really start thinking about other things we should do. 60 episodes later. Yeah. It's episode 60, so that's exciting. I feel it's like we're on Sesame Street. Like, episode 60, once we get to 300. One, two, three, four, five, six, zero. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We were talking a lot about kids' shows this week. We started talking about Teletubbies. We couldn't I was, remember I was on whatever day, Wednesday. It was Nogi Day. And, like, class ended. It was time to start rolling. And I had the Teletubbies theme song stuck in my head. That's so very random. You know what was going on in my brain during drilling. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, didn't, Tinky Winky. Didn't you dipsy, make a, a tweet about that? La, la, like when I did that? Poe. Yeah. <laughs> was I it did. the Teletubbies? Yes. I think so. There was one day you had Teletubbies stuck in your head. <laughs> and you were like, what the hell? Yeah, so that was my turn to have Teletubbies stuck in my head. Teletubbies. Teletubbies. Which Teletubby are you? Obviously, Poe. Poe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely say that, too. I think you're Tinky Winky. I was going to say, I'm probably Tinky Winky. I always more associated with Lala, but that's just, I think, because she was a girl. But I think I'm definitely more, like, leadership type Tinky Winky. Mm-hmm. Don't start calling me Tinky Winky. Hey, Tinky Winky. Maybe we should get a red gi and a purple gi and we could just start calling ourselves that. And then who would be Lala and who would be Dipsy? Bon Tempo's got to be Dipsy. <laughs> Sorry, Bon Tempo. <laughs> you might be Dipsy. I wonder. Hmm. Allie doesn't come across to me as a Lala. No offense. We can figure that out later. Lala's a little nicer. <laughs> Nancy's but. Lala. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Right. Anyway, <laughs> okay. moving on. So, sorry about the Teletubby uh, offshoot immediately. But- Actually, another funny story on Teletubbies really quick. There was one time, my brother is seven years younger than me, so I think when he was three and I was ten, we were trying to find a Teletubbies video game online, and I, Great was, idea. I was helping him, and me being a ten-year-old, I don't know how to use the internet, and this was 15, 17 years ago almost, so I was like, oh, this is a lot different than what it is now. It's on E-Bombs World. Right. But, what? You no, don't know okay. Never mind. Okay. Anyway, so I'm helping my brother try to find a Teletubby video game on the internet. And uh, we, probably found, e-bombs. we found one, but it was not kid-friendly. Yeah, it was probably e-bombs. And out of nowhere, your mouse was shooting Teletubbies and making them bleed and decapitating their heads and ripping off their arms with bullets. And they were, like, splattering the screen with their blood. And my brother started screaming. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like... What are we doing right now? And I'm still ten, so like that's still like really hard for even really a ten year old eyes. And I was just like, Oh my god, what are we doing? So that's my story about Teletubbies. And I think that's the last time I ever like really associated Teletubbies until like a year ago. <laughs> okay, anyway. Well now that we've talked for three minutes and fifty three seconds about Teletubbies. Teletubbies are fun. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna roll like a Teletubby today at open back. Okay. I don't even know how that works. Anyways, <laughs> So, we got new geese this week, which is super exciting. We did. I got a Kitsune gi, which I was going to shout out to BJJHQ.com, because they always have awesome deals, like, on a daily basis. Some quality stuff. Some trolls in the comments. <laughs> always, though. Always. Anything on the internet, you'll just have trolls in the comments. It was really funny, because they had a camouflage pair of spats from Phalanx yesterday for 35 bucks, which is a pretty good deal. Um... And somebody just posted, hey, where are the spats in the picture? <laughs> it was camouflage. Yeah, I got it. I understood. She didn't laugh. I so. didn't laugh the first time, and I'm not laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But anyway, so yeah, he's on BJJ HQ. He looks at it every single day because you know he always wants more gear. Yeah, and this gear was only eighty five dollars with yeah. shipping. It was really, it's really nice too. It's super light, and so it's going to be really good for training. Is it IBJJF approved? I don't know. Okay. We'll what see. isn't? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then I got a War Tribe. It's the Alpha War Tribe. It's the women's gear. It's actually pretty large on me right now. I have to shrink it. This is my first time wearing it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to roll in it today, but... I shrunk mine a little bit because it was like on my knuckles. So now it's on my wrist, which is good. Yeah. Well, I normally wear A1s in all my gis, and I've never had a W, a women's gi before. Mm-hmm. So my dad actually picked the size for me, and he got a W2, which I knew was going to be a little large, but I figure I'll try it. And yeah, my... Uh, sleeves are a little long, but I'm really excited about it. It's super sleek looking. He has the same one. Yours is an A2, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was drowning in yours because I tried it on and I felt like I was just like this little itty bitty thing inside this yeah. big tent. <laughs> yeah, it's on the cusp of being the right size and being too large. Mm-hmm. Somewhere it, in between that. Spot. He said his was too big too, so they yeah. just run large. So if you get an alpha at War Tribe, it runs large. Get a size down. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Yeah, but it was funny because I got... I ordered my new gi last week. It came over the weekend. I think I got it like Sunday or something. So Monday is my off day. Tuesday was all no gi training. Wednesday, and even like my private lessons on Tuesday and Wednesday, they wanted to do no gi training. And Wednesday night was no gi. So I had this gi sitting in my bag ready to go for like four days, brand new gi. <laughs> and I did like five or six training sessions, all no gi. And I was like, when am I going to wear my new gi? <laughs> and then Tuesday, I got to wear two new gis, which was super fun. Yeah, this is your first time wearing that one, right? I wore it Tuesday morning, Thursday morning. Oh. And it was a little big, so I shrunk it a little bit. It already looks worn. I, I roll hard. <laughs> <laughs> but Steve was showing me his origin gi, too, and how his was kind of, what is that called? Pilling. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah any cotton gis are just going to pill. But I thought that was supposed to go away. Like, he I said mean, that yeah. he's rolled his a million times, and he's had it for a year, and the pilling is not going away. So, yeah. I don't think origins are all they live up to. They're super light, but... They're so comfortable, though. Yeah, but it doesn't matter what. Yeah, but that's fine. That's like natural behavior for fibers in clothes. They pill. Unless you have plastic clothing, like spandex or polyester does not pill. But any natural woven clothing is going to pill. No, but spandex is super annoying because you, you, you and I both are in the same place where we have specific rash guards just for, like, Muay Thai. Well, that's because the Velcro pulls yeah. it apart. Yeah, the Velcro pulls it. Which is it. annoying. So I have that. Like, I only wear one rash guard either on Nogi days or Muay Thai days to wear after because otherwise mm-hmm. it just gets stuck on there. And I've noticed with my spats, too, that if a nail gets on there, it just, like, rips it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. so annoying. <laughs> So. Yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we've talked <clears> about teletubbies and we have talked about fabric. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're just really excited about our new geese and we get to roll on them today, so we're very stoked. Because it's mm-hmm. Saturday, not Sunday for us right now. Yeah, do you know what a kitsune is? Mm-mm. It's a, a spiritual fox in Japan that people think is like a link to God. Oh. And have you ever seen those like nine tail foxes? Yeah. When they're in their spiritual form, uh-huh. they have nine tails. That's Ooh. what a kitsune is. I like it. Me too. I'm like going to turn into a nine-tailed fox when I'm rolling today. Hey, it's that color that I said at, uh, at Pam's. I called it the vagina color. <laughs> Would you like to describe it for our listeners? <laughs> I mean, it's it's not pink, but it's not coral. It's like in between. So, I don't know. I said it looked like baggy. I said it looked <laughs> like a vagina. <laughs> Which, okay. by the way, is not a bad word. So those of you men who's laughing and being all immature right now, it's not a bad word. And the actual correct word is vulva. I'm learning this. Oh, my watch goodness. Watch on Netflix. <laughs> so, okay, anyway. This week we were talking about, we're planning on talking about, we haven't gotten there yet. But how to... we were white? Because we're... What? Because <laughs> of our topic. We're just wearing white because we were going to talk about that. Okay. Somewhat, yes. We're just excited <laughs> with our new geese. Yes. But we're going to talk about how to make the most of your time on the mats and keep yourself on the mats for longer and train longer. My legs look like a grid. Okay. <laughs> look at this. They look like, you know how when you were in math and algebra and you had to draw and X and Y? Graph paper? Yeah. Yeah. Graph paper. <laughs> Graph paper is not how you maintain your time on the mat. No. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> okay, back on track. 
So, how do you like to maximize your time on the mat? Well, I like to be, I mean, we're always the last people at the gym. So, we, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm typically not the last one rolling, but I'm one of the last people rolling. You're the last one rolling. Uh, Like 95% of the time. Yeah. I'm the last one rolling. But typically, I'm on the mat for a good hour after class. Mm-hmm. Like I like to roll for about an hour. I feel like if I roll for anything less than 45 minutes, I didn't really get a good workout in. So I yep. like to, I, so lately I've been pushing myself more to not take any breaks and I'm not a big break person. Like I don't take a lot of them. I just, I tend to take like one or two through, throughout the hour and I've been trying to push myself to do a full hour with no breaks, like just keep rolling the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on that. This week's been a little different for me because I've been in a lot of pain this week, but uh, before this week, I was definitely maximizing my my cardio as much as I could. Yeah, absolutely. I never take breaks. I know. Like, never. I know. <laughs> One time I take a break is, actually, I don't remember the last time I've taken a break rolling. I think I went to the bathroom once and then came back and finished the round anyways. Yeah. I think the hard part for me, just being like a little social butterfly that I am at the gym, I tend to get caught up in conversation with people after a round mm. about some things like either whether we're talking about a technique that we didn't finish or if we're talking yeah. about a sweep that they want to learn or if they want to drill something like it's just it always turns into a conversation after I roll with some people and then it turns into okay we're now going to spend the next four minutes sitting here talking rather than rolling because we started this conversation and we're too late to get into a roll with someone else because the round has already started and that I tend to fall into that trap a lot yeah, so I'm really sense. trying to avoid that like even just on Wednesday Thursday. On Thursday, I was talking to someone on the side, just like introducing myself because it was a new person at the gym and the round had started. And I like he kept talking and I was like trying to inch away because I was like, I don't want to get sucked into this like realm yeah. again. Like I want to go roll, but I also don't want to be rude and just walk away from you while you're rolling or while you're talking. So I saw that a person next to me was waiting for a roll and I had literally cut him off. I was like, you can keep talking, but I'm going to roll with this person right here while you're talking because I, I really wanted to do it. Yeah. And then I jumped on Abro, and he caught me like it was freaking dirty dancing. It was crazy. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a huge part is not taking breaks and pushing yourself to continue rolling. Mm-hmm. The hard part is like managing your endurance when you don't take breaks. Mm-hmm. Right. Because a lot of people need water breaks. Yeah. A lot of people need to breathe and take better breaks or breaks to catch their breath. Right. Mm-hmm. And. There's a way in your rolls to make sure that you're recovering while you're rolling instead of like after rolling because you got to be able to build up the endurance. So what I focus on is a few different things. Um, Some days I roll harder. Some days I roll lighter. And there are times where instead of rolling that intensity that I'm planning for the day. Um, It sounds bad because no one wants to be a rest round, but I make some rolls a rest round for me if I'm doing like a lot of defense. Mm -hmm. So if I do find myself tired, which isn't that often, but sometimes I have a really tough round and then the next round I need a break, but I'm not going to stop rolling. That's when I'm in a really defensive position and just moving, breathing. Mm -hmm. But I think... So without branching into all those topics, what are I'm some things that you focus on? <laughs> it's cool. But what I focus on... Okay, so I was actually going to kind of lead this into our topic today mm-hmm. where the... And I probably talked about this in the past podcast episode before, but... I didn't I, want to go into that topic yet. I know. <laughs> and that's why I didn't want to answer this question. So why don't you keep going? Because I have a good lead way into that. <clears throat> okay, fine. So main thing that I focus on whenever I'm rolling for endurance is breathing Mm -hmm. so it sounds funny but you can go like days some people go weeks without eating so just think about that right you can go like a few days without water but how long can you go without your breath like if you tried to like fast from breathing how long until you need to take another breath well if you do wim hof right (laughs) If you are a practice breather, you can maybe do a few minutes. I was going to say, it's a matter of minutes. It's not anything longer than that. Right. But if if you just try to hold your breath right now, I guarantee you, you won't hold it. Maybe a max a minute. 
if you are experienced. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like 45 seconds, 30 seconds. I would say average is between 25 and 45 seconds. Right. <clears throat> and breath is what gives us life. Um, Hicks and Gracie has a song, or not a song, a book. He should write a song. He should write a song. <laughs> I would listen to a song from Hicks and <laughs> But he has a book uh, called Breathe, Mm -hmm. and it talks about being comfortable, being uncomfortable, and just Mm -hmm. learning how to breathe. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm rolling, one of the main things I'm focusing on is not ever like hyperventilating and doing that heavy chest breathing, which is like, (gasps) (gasps) Mm -hmm. if you do that, you're never going to catch your breath. Yeah. If you've ever seen anybody in a panic attack, how are they breathing? I mean, they're freaking out. They're breathing like that. (laughs) They're doing that and they're wailing their arms and they're trying to figure out what to do. And if you roll and you're experienced in rolling, you know, like the biggest thing is to keep your elbows tight all the time. Mm -hmm. And so when you're freaking out and you're hyperventilating, you don't know what to do. And that's when your technique is going to go. And that's That's not even just just jujitsu. But if you're being attacked and you start freaking out like that and you can't just like calm down and focus on what's happening, bad things are going to happen. So it's good to know. And that's why... I actually really, I love being a female in this sport. Like, sometimes I hate it, but at the same, and it, by the way, going off of that, Megan Wagner, our friend, she wrote a fantastic blog about being a female in this sport. We can put a link to that in the bio and talking about how to treat men and women equally in this sport, even though we're not physically the same. Mm-hmm. But anyway, moving on from that. So I love being a female in this sport just because I get to help other females get through that like hyperventilating stage, whereas like. We get some women in the gym who have come from past trauma, who have come from uh, PTSD scenarios, who don't are coming strictly for the self-defense aspect of it and not the workout, not the fun. Like, they just want to learn how to protect themselves, which is fantastic. I think that that's a great gateway to come in. But um, I love being able to be that person for them and helping them work through it. And so, for example, I was rolling with someone who had went through trauma and has and was working through stuff, and they were freaking out whenever they would get in bottom mount or bottom side control, mm. which is a yep. typical place for people to freak out whether you have trauma or not. It's an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah, you feel stuck. You yes. feel trapped. Claustrophobic. Yep. Claustrophobic is a perfect word because that's when the hyperventilating comes in. But I remember I was working with her very specifically, and I just told her, I was like, you're just going to breathe. And I had warned her. I'm like, I'm going to put a lot of pressure on you. I'm going to make you not want to be here. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to like it, but you're going to breathe. And if you Mm -hmm. don't get anything out of this, even if you don't know how to get out of it, I want you to figure out how to breathe and to calm down in this position. Absolutely. So that's, and I think that me being a female and being able to work with other females is a huge advantage on my part because that person who went through the trauma or any future woman who comes into this sport who has that trauma won't want to work with a man. Yeah, they're going to feel more comfortable working with you than they would with me. Yeah. Just because. In general. That's just how it is. And it's mm-hmm. not that's not everyone. It's definitely a case-by-case, case, but stereotypically, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so breathing is huge. And breathing is one way that we can control our bodies in, like, you know, a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So um, I was talking about chest breathing. And if you see somebody, just tell them to take a deep breath. Most of the time you're going to see their chest rise. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go, and that's where, that's it. That's the the depth of their deep breath. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of D words. <laughs> but where you want to breathe is from your belly and from your diaphragm. And when you breathe with your belly, if you can't see on the podcast or if you're listening, but in the video, you can see if I take a deep breath, my belly is going to expand, but my chest did not rise. And your diaphragm can actually hold and control that breath a lot better than your chest can. And you blow out with your belly also. And my shoulders aren't going up and down, but my belly is just expanding and decompressing with the air in my lungs from my diaphragm. It's called diaphragmic breathing. And you can work out your diaphragm and become better at breathing in general. Uh, There's a meditation I do, Wim Hof breathing, that helps me outside of jujitsu for meditation but also helps me inside of jiu-jitsu for being just calm and comfortable in any situation, just being able to breathe no matter who I have pressuring on top of me. Like we have Big Brett, who's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 250 or more pounds. and uh, Four-stripe brown belt. Four-stripe brown belt. <laughs> so not a... <laughs> Never mind. And he will just like put me in scarf because if you've ever rolled with me, it's hard to really hold me down. 
that's a really good way for him to hold me down. And I just have to like be comfortable there and breathe. But if I tried to breathe my br- with my chest, I would never get any breath and I would probably just tap the pressure. Mm-hmm. But I've learned over time how to breathe with my belly. And I use my nose when I'm doing jujitsu. Yeah, but if you if, like, even if you don't train and you're thinking about just the yoga aspect of it too, I mean, breath work is a huge part of that as well. Because mm-hmm. they always say, like, take a deep breath in, and then when you exhale, you can either exhale through the mouth to like release all of that, or you can exhale through your body, which is what I was doing last night because I've been having some issues with my hamstring this week. So my dad was stretching out my leg, and he was making it painful. Like he had to really stretch in there to get rid of all that acid that was building up mm. in there. And it's not a fun stretch, but he had told me, because I'm so used to just breathing out, like breathing in the nose, out the mouth. And he had told me like, when you exhale, do it like through your diaphragm. So I did it that way. And it made everything kind of like loosen up even more, mm-hmm. which goes into what Jason Lippert did on Thursday for the beginner the stretch, class. Yep. Yeah. You reach for your toes and then when you breathe in and then as you're exhaling, you can actually reach further. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's kind of what we're getting at is like, if you learn to breathe, you'll be able to extend those muscles a little bit more and you'll be able to relax just a little bit harder, mm-hmm. a little bit easier. Sorry. Relax hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. We should start saying that to people. Relax harder. Yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> but yeah, I do. And you'll see if you ever see me rolling, I'm always relaxed no matter what position you have. Like yesterday I was in a rear naked choke from a tough purple belt from our gym and I was just like sitting there like oh this is not good for me mm-hmm. <laughs> but like until I need to tap I don't tap I'm just comfortable I'm moving and that actually helps me get out of a lot of positions because people will put me in like legitimate submission threats mm-hmm. and like my demeanor does not change I'm like oh like I'm just rolling like mm-hmm. always and then they like move on and then later on they're like was that close and I was like yeah it was really close I was just about to tap and they're like I could not tell and I was like that was the plan <laughs> just trying to stay calm and comfortable you have a good poker face. Yeah, you're you're never gonna think that I'm in danger, even though like my arm is halfway extended, you got my shoulder pinned and my wrist pinned, and I just like one little motion is gonna mm. make or break it. I feel like we've been there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Nick right? doesn't like it when I get really close to submitting him. Yeah. But yeah, I uh was just gonna say something on that. About staying calm in submission? Because oh, you have a good poker face and I do not. I start laughing. Oh, <laughs> I've been learning that about myself in the last couple of weeks that every time I'm rolling with especially higher belts but uh, I get I have a really fun time when lower belts try to attack me but I also have a really fun time when higher belts attack me because I mm-hmm. just start giggling because I, I think I'm laughing at myself because of how I messed up and then I'm like how did I get here and then or it's like a really fun crazy move that I've never seen like Dave did something to me this week and I just started cracking up as he was submitting it and I was like yep that, that just happened <laughs> Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that goes into a huge part of what keeps me rolling on the mats. Uh, my number one rule, which I didn't even bring up in the intro of this part, but always have fun when you're rolling. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have fun doing this, you're doing something wrong. Yes. <laughs> you're doing it for the, in my opinion, you're doing it for the wrong reasons if you're not having fun. Yes. Yeah, if you're just out there and you're just trying to kill the next person that you're rolling with every single time, first of all, that doesn't call for longevity. You're probably going to burn out all of your muscles and you're going to risk like risk hurting your joints. Especially and you're going to need more restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> more restaurants because you're using you're relying on your strength that you've always used. And I'm not going to say it's a bad thing because everyone starts out that way. Like we all have been there. We all have done it. But you just have to learn how to have more finesse with your movements and really focus on if you want to do this for the rest of your life like it takes anywhere between 8 to 15 years to get your black belt like it it takes a long time and if you're getting hurt all the time in every role after like week after week after week how are you going to make it for the next 8 years mm-hmm. and that shouldn't be your end goal just saying <laughs> right like cool black belt's awesome but like why what then what just like Miley Cyrus said it's yeah. not about getting to the top of the mountain it's about the climb mm-hmm. That's my eighth grade graduation song. I know. You say it every time. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, having fun is a huge part of it because, like she said, if you're doing it just to try to kill people, you're going to be rolling probably too hard too often and your body's going to deteriorate. Yeah. 
And that goes into intensity of the roles that I control on certain days of the week. So as you know, I roll like a lot and I train a lot of days. I do have two rest days, which helps me out a lot. And we started taking joint supplements. <laughs> <laughs> we started this week and every night we take it at the same time after we've eaten dinner. And every night this week, I'm like, let's go take our joint pills. We sound like we're 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm trying to stay in front of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> with our, uh, with my intensity, and this is from Brent, I'm not exactly sure where he got it from, but there's certain days where I roll like 80 or a little bit more percent, certain days where I'll roll like 50%, and not even certain days, certain sessions in the day, because I do multiple training sessions, uh, certain sessions where I'll roll like 20% or less, there's certain se- certain sessions where I'll roll 50% or less, did I say that already? No, you said 80. Yeah, so 80, 50, and 20% sessions. He does 40, so yeah. Yeah, and that really helps me out, because you can learn something different from those different intensities. First off, you can start to gauge how intense you want to exert yourself. Secondly, when you're rolling lighter intensity, you have to use sharp technique mm-hmm. because you can't overpower. And like if I'm rolling on a 20% day, I'm not going to overpower Brittany. It's just not going to happen. And then when you're rolling with those lower intensities, you're not exerting so much stress on your muscles, on your joints, on your body, especially if you train a ton. Lower intensity sharpens up your technique and promotes moving without injuring yourself or other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Mm, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think and talk at the same time. <laughs> no, it's okay. like chewing gum and walking. Right. So the thing that I was going to say earlier that I guess is now going to start leading into what we really wanted to talk about today which was being a white belt in the sport. But Mm -hmm. uh, the thing that I am struggling with right now, maybe struggling is not the right word, but just for lack of a better word. So Nick just talked about how he does his intensity rolling. He does like 80% days and then he does 50% days and then other days he'll do 20%. Yeah, now only pick a couple days to do 80% training sessions. Mm -hmm. And also on top of that, it's only with certain people I'll do 80% because I know that not everybody can handle 80%. Yeah. And especially if I'm rolling with a smaller female or a newer white belt, I'm going to tone down my intensity so that they can also get a good session out of our out of our role. Yeah. Instead of just getting murdered, 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 murdered. Right. And that's a good concept to follow. But I would say that I'm not at that level yet where I can pick and choose a day where I'm going to go one intensity level because of my size, because of being a female, and because of I am only a blue belt. Like, I'm not, like, this black belt who knows all the moves and everything. I'm still learning every single day. Yeah. There's moves that newer girls are always asking me. They're like, what is this? And I'm like, mm, hmm. Well, no, that is. Like, I'm still learning. So it's not like you just get a blue belt slapped around your waist and you just are the end-all, be-all. You know everything. So I still feel like Happened a white belt. me, so. I still feel like a white belt most days. But uh, basically what I'm going with that is I can't – do a whole day right now of just 80% or just 20% because it really depends on my training partner. Because yeah. if I'm going with a brand new big white belt, I can't go 20% on them because they are trying to literally smash me. So I have to start working. I don't, I'm not going 100% or anything, but I do have to work harder with newer white belts because they mm-hmm. are trying to use so much strength against me that I have to work my way out of those bad positions a lot more often than normal. Mm. So... Um, so that's a sign of, um, improvement for your game. Yes. Yeah. But the thing that I was going to mention earlier is that the thing that I'm working on the most right now is some advice that my dad gave me. And I don't know if he told it to me as a black belt with lots of experience as my coach or as my father, or maybe a mixture of all three, but he had told me, he was like, you need to start working on your defense with white belts. And because I'm a very, anyone who rolls with me knows that I'm an attacker. They all know that I don't like defending everything. I like just going for it and I like just moving. And I really love rolling, like rolling on my back and just running around. I'm probably the opposite. I love defending. Yeah, see, I don't. (laughs) Defensive jujitsu is so fun to me, which is a whole other topic. Yeah, and I I do do that, but I love I love my arm bars. I'm gonna go for them, and I'm gonna fish for them, and I'm gonna hook. I'm going to catch it anytime that I can. But 
what he was trying to tell me is to not do that every single time and start focusing mm-hmm. on the things that I'm bad at with people who are a little bit newer in the game. And so you see game. <laughs> so what I've been trying to do is when I'm rolling with like newer people, like a year or under, I'm not submitting them at all throughout the entire role, even though their arm is out every single time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to let them put me in terrible positions so that mm-hmm. I can work to get out of it. Like the mm-hmm. amount of times that I've put myself in with someone on my back in the last couple of weeks is ridiculous. But I think my back escapes are getting better. Heck yes. So I love attacking, but my whole point of that was just to start focusing on the things that you're not good at and don't just always focus on the attack side of jujitsu, focus on the defense too. Yeah, and I find that actually no, that's probably no. But defensive jujitsu or when you're rolling to work on your escapes, work on your defenses, work on your positional uh, reversals, so to speak, because anytime you're on bottom, your goal is to get on top, no matter where you're, where you are, guard, mount, uh, whatever, half guard, all the all the positions from bottom to top. Top is king, right? But bottom, you can also get a lot of submissions. But what I find is when you have like fantastic defense, fantastic transitions, submissions show up as gifts in your face. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, it's really hard to just hold me down in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's on top of just being able to hold me down or pin me in one position. If you do, you're probably not holding me down in a way that you can also submit me. Mm Because of the way that I've positioned myself in that non-dominant position is for me to escape when you're trying to submit me. Or when you're trying to transition, I'm going to also transition. Yeah. And that also helps me with my technique and helps me with my lower percentage days. It's okay to sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) But on my lower percentage days, I'm really focusing on my defense, my transitions, and you know, finding those things that open up to me when my defense is extremely strong. And there's lots of times where I'll be in bottom mount and I'll end up on someone's back. And they'll be like, what just happened? Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I just, you know, transitioned here because, like, mount is the same as guard. (laughs) And I just passed your guard to take your back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is so crazy Mm -hmm. when you think about stuff like that. But. Yeah, but keeping tight, staying defensive. If people aren't snatching up submissions on me, there's less likelihood of me getting injured. If I'm able to fluidly transition, people aren't going to catch certain things. People aren't going to catch like weird things that I would have to fight out of with muscles or flexibility. Because when you try to incorporate muscle and flexibility into your game as part of your like skills, unless you're competing, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, which is why a lot of people tend to emphasize when they do jujitsu that they also do something else outside of jujitsu for exercise. Like most people that I know don't just train jujitsu. A lot of our friend base at Fluid, they like to do Muay Thai too, which is a good cardio exercise for us. And it also works on sharpening up your footwork and your hips and your technique and things like that. But then I know plenty of people who do yoga and plenty of people Mm -hmm. who do strength training, like weightlifting Mm -hmm. and still go to the gym all like three days a week if they can. And plenty of people who just go running every day, like Steve is starting to run. He told me I should start running on Thursday. And I was like, yeah, you're funny. No, but uh, I like Jason's answer. I consulted with my knees and they both said no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So if you can try to incorporate a different exercise outside of just jujitsu into your routine, your weekly routine, I think that that will help enhance your jujitsu in ways that you don't even realize right now. Yeah, it can. Yeah, anything can boost your jujitsu. Well, even my dad, he plays golf and he was like, I think golf is helping my jujitsu. And I was like, okay. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like the way you hold your club and the way you bend your hips and the way you have to turn your hips and you're swinging and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I was like, I think everything just helps you jujitsu when you really mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to the mental aspect, which is something that white belts tend to lack quite a bit, is they don't know the mental part of the game yet. They really only know the strength part of the game. And that's what being yes. a white belt is. That's what's getting through your white belt career, is learning how to tone down on that physical strength and turn uh, 
change that physical mentality into an actual like intellectual technical, technical mentality yeah. figuring out what's going on over and over and over to you so you can figure out how to stop it yeah and that's what i was going to mention also about specifically for white belts picking low intensity days you're going to feel and you're going to tap a lot so you're going to feel like you don't know jujitsu and you're going to be tapping a lot when you're doing really low intensity as a white belt mm-hmm. and that's okay because that also helps you build up um controlling your ego and controlling your pride mm-hmm. because like tapping out is okay that's how we learn yeah i don't think <clears throat> this problem occurs too much at fluid not that i know of at least but i do know it happens in other gyms i see memes about it all the time megan just wrote a whole article about it but like big strong white belt men have an ego when they come in because they get tapped out by a 100 pound female mm-hmm. like they don't like it but it's because they're relying on their strength. And I bet you that 100-pound female is, like, working really hard to enhance their technique and make it better. So I know Johnny just said that he wants to get his 19-year-old daughter in there. Yeah. He's like, yeah, she's, like, 115 pounds. And I was like, she'd be a little fireball. I promise you. Yeah. Like, the smallest females are the best ones. They're fun. But, yeah, so basically just, like, that mental aspect of it where the white belts come in and they're just like, oh, I'm bigger than them. I'm going to smash them. I'm going to... I don't need to know technique. As long as I can pin them down, I'm fine. That kind of thing. Then you go with someone. And I mean, Nick's not a big guy either. You're 170 pounds lower than that right now. But you're mm-hmm. when a big guy tries to hold you down, I think they also, and it's not just females. They're like, oh my God, how did you do that? I'm like, how did you yeah. get out from under me? I'm stronger than you. Yeah. So Like they would beat me in a arm wrestling match or if they wanted to do a leg press battle, yeah. they would win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But I was also going to mention that for white belts that don't have that technique yet, the reason you're going to tap a lot at a low intensity is because you're building up that defensive technique. And I think that defense is way more important than offense in jiu-jitsu in general. Mm -hmm. Because any match or any round or any time you have to implement your jiu-jitsu, if you are attacking and you get caught because your defense isn't there yet, but you're still just attacking... The match is going to be over or, you know, it's going to be a bad outcome for you mm-hmm. because you were so focused on attacking rather than staying solidly defended the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a difference between, like, anti-jujitsu and you just, like, balling up and laying there and not doing jujitsu. Like, that is a different thing than playing defensive jujitsu and understanding, okay, if I keep my elbows here, I don't open up this triangle of death that nothing's going to happen there. Or when I move my hips this way, it, it off balances my opponent and they can't continue the submission the way they thought they would or um, transitions in and out of submissions. But that only happens. Half of that stuff you can't teach. Half of the Damn, defense, right? Half of the defense that you're going to learn is through rolling. Mm-hmm. You can learn how a submission is going to happen, how to defend it. But you can learn how to articulate it. You can learn how right. to tell someone exactly step by step by step. But until you have actually experienced it and you know how it feels when the different body type, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's not the same. Yeah. And drilling a move like step by step is never what it's going to be like when you're in a live rolling situation. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have those anchor points in your mind of from the instruction. Okay, this is how that works. This is what I need to do to make that happen. Yeah. But in a live situation rolling, you're going to skip a step or... It's just not going to follow that linear path of the instruction. Mm-hmm. So learning to defend positionally and submissionally is comes through rolling, and you learn to defend better when you can do it technically at a lower intensity than if you just try to muscle out of everything. Right. And that will keep you healthier longer also if you just tap <laughs> and you or you lower your intensity and figure out how to actually defend it with technique. I agree. But that's, again, just going back to a lot of people just don't have that yet. And it all comes with experience, too. Yeah, and that's why I say as a white belt, you're going to tap a lot, and that's okay. And that's why it takes so long to belt up in this sport. Like, not even just your black belt, but it takes, on average, like, two to four years to get your blue belt. Whereas, like, other martial arts don't take that long, but that's because I don't think there's as much of a mental curve in other sports as there is in this one. And when he was talking about 
the defense there. I was thinking back to our episode last week about how we talked about the sport of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Because if you are just relying on like one thing at a time or you're just focusing on one specific move, they're going to pass your guard and they're going to get three points because of it and things like that. So yeah. I know specifically I had asked a question last night about a sweep that I was trying to accomplish because every time that I've been doing it, they've just been passing. And I I thought about it every single time I got passed. I was like, that would have been three points against me. Yeah. And I needed to figure out how to stop that. But that's the mental part. Whereas, whereas like when you're here for just a year and you don't really even realize that there's three points for a guard pass, you're just like trying not to die. Yeah. It's a big difference. Whereas mm-hmm. like as you start experiencing the live rolling and you start experiencing those positions and those submissions and the point system and how the sport works, like you start thinking about it all together and you put it all in one thing and you're just like oh well how do i not get three points scored against me and how do i successfully pull off that sweep so i can get two points Mm -hmm. and it comes over time from training rolling and not being injured and not taking restaurants and staying off the mat Mm -hmm. because yeah that every time you take a restaurant that's stifling your progress that you could make in jiu-jitsu yes i agree But yeah, it's really hard for white belts to go low intensity for those reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of people, as they start getting better in the sport, they tend to, this is very, very broad and generalistic. So I know this doesn't apply to everyone, but like people do tend to stay away from the brand new people yeah. because they're more prone to injury because they don't know what they're doing. And yeah. There are definitely days, going back to the 80-50-20 thing, that I won't roll with a brand new person that day. Not that I won't roll with them, but maybe just that day. Like, this week would have been a good example of it because I've been hurting all week. And Mm. I'm like, I'm not trying to get, like, more hurt right now. And I don't want to have to put more effort into the things that I'm doing and end up risking hurting myself more. So, but I don't not roll with them because I think that's the best real-life scenario that you're ever going to get. Plus, I also love it because you get that experience where maybe you can help them through certain things. Like you can actually start to articulate your own jujitsu onto this person and then they can actually start learning. And if you want them to be a good longevity training partner for you, then you have to roll with them. You have to get them comfortable. You have to get them moving. Mm -hmm. Like I know one of my biggest things, especially at Saturday open mats that I work on the most is I try to look for anyone on the bench and I tell them, Let's go. Let's tr- let's try to roll. Even if I'm in the middle of a round with someone else, I will literally, in the middle of that roll, look at them and I'll point at them. I'll call them out and I'll be like, I got you next. Yeah. Because I don't want them just sitting on the bench. I want them out. I want them rolling with me or anyone really. And I don't want them just sitting there. And the people I see sitting on the bench are typically, sorry, but females, which is super annoying. Mm-hmm. I know it's been me all week this week. I've been really frustrated with myself. I'm like, I complain about this all the time that girls are out and I'm just sitting out this week. Yeah. But... Girls typically sit out more than men and newer males or just newer white belts in general. They Those are the people that are on the bench. Mm-hmm. And those are the people I try to bring in and sit on the mat as much as possible because you shouldn't be taking as many breaks as you are. You should be testing your limits. And I know Ellie is really big on trying to get people to roll constantly all the time because you get better when you're tired. Yeah. Like her rule in women's class on Tuesdays is we roll for a half hour. She teaches until 7.30, and then from 7.30 to 8, it's rolling. And she will <laughs> yell at you if you sit out. Like, you have to roll the entire time. And if there's an odd number and you can't roll, you're out for that round, you run. Okay. Like, you need to keep moving. Yeah. And that's her rule. And I think it's a cool rule. Like, it's only a half hour. It's not that big of a deal. And you can tone down your intensity. So, yes. like, if you want to... As long as you're moving. Yeah. Just keep keep your muscles warm and keep moving and... If you sit out for four minutes of a round, like your muscles are going to start cooling off and you actually will be probably more prone to injury at that point. That's true. <clears throat> yeah, because if you like roll for a few rounds, you sit out for a couple of rounds and you go right back into rolling, that's probably a good recipe for injury. Yeah, and that's where when I get down in that trap of like ending up in a conversation with people instead of rolling, I really, really, really try to cut it to only one round. And if it goes for more than, like, three rounds for any reason, I'm probably done for the day because I don't want to be stuck in injury. Yeah. That makes (laughs) sense. Like, I get really frustrated when I'm just talking for three rounds and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I guess I'm done now. (laughs) Yes. But more diving into the white belt psyche, Mm -hmm. right? 
it is tough to be a white belt. And especially when you're like unsure of what's going on in your roles and during class or um, uncomfortable in any way, remember that everybody that's come before you in jiu-jitsu has been through this process. Mm-hmm. Because there's nobody that, okay, most people have gone through that process. But even people that come in with experience from maybe from judo, maybe experience from wrestling, experience from sambo, experience from other martial arts, there was a phase where they knew no martial arts that they were uncomfortable and did not know what to do. Yeah, so I know that one of the biggest things that we get in jujitsu, and I think it's everywhere, I don't even think it's just a, a fluid thing, is you get a lot of wrestlers. You get a lot of people who come from a really good wrestling background, and maybe they were fantastic D1 wrestlers, and then they just kind of come into jujitsu. Yeah, because wrestling stops after college, yeah. unless you're an Olympian. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe they just think they're going to mop the floor with people because they're like, well, I know how to do this. But then they, you know, get one... Guillotined. Yeah. Guillotined one time. Oh, I'm done. Guillotined, <laughs> or they just end up on their back. They don't know what to do because they're so used to being pinned. No, like they, they end up with people on their back because they don't want to be pinned. But they can't have two shoulders on the mat with wrestling. So if they ever get put into like their own guard, they just don't know what to do with that guard because oh, they're sure. not used to working from their back. And I think that a lot of people who come in with a wrestling background not necessarily have an ego, but they just they expect to be better than they are. But they're still a white belt. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason... Gordon Ryan just got his purple and his brown belt in the same day. <laughs> you know, that's a joke, right? Yes, I know okay. that's a joke. That's why I was <laughs> just laughing. Sure. That's why I was laughing with it. But no, it's it's just kind of the same concept where like everyone starts out somewhere. And just because you're really good in one sport does not mean you're going to be fantastic in the next. You have to learn from the ground up. Like the first time that you ever shot a basketball, like were you just automatically good at it? Yes. No, just kidding. That's more of a sport. <laughs> yes. And then it goes for any sport. Like the first time that you ever hit a golf ball, did you hit it on the first try? If you did, did it go far? Did it go 300 yards? Did it go straight? Yeah. (laughs) Probably not. Did it go in the water? Probably. But it's just like all these things. Like you compare jujitsu to any other sport. You don't just jump into it and you're just fantastic at it. Like you're not the next. I can't even think of a sports star right now. Kobe Bryant. (laughs) Like you're just not, you're not that person. You have to work towards it. And that's exactly what jujitsu is too. Like you have to work and you have to do the experience level on it just to be able to get that practice and get better at it. Yeah. I think the big difference between traditional sports and martial arts though is the body body contact and the potential for injury. Mm -hmm. Because anybody that's trained jujitsu that's not a child is thinking about, well, I need to get to work tomorrow or... You know, I don't want to be put in that position because if I strain my back, I'm going to have a real big issue for the rest of everything else I'm doing in my life. Because most people that train jiu-jitsu are not professional athletes. No. (laughs) And uh, they don't have the ability to, like, work through injuries or anything like that. Like, it's going to take a huge effect on their life. Mm -hmm. But it is okay for you to pick and choose your training partners also. For you to extend your time on the mats. Yeah. Because if you've rolled with somebody and there are some people that just roll harder and put more pressure on other people. And once you recognize that. (laughs) I'll roll hard with you. But once you recognize the people that will not tone it down on you, even when you are trying to bring down the intensity and you're not feeling like you want to roll with that person, it's totally okay for you to say, no, thank you. I'm going to pass on rolling with you today, which is difficult. There's a a whole thing. I, I do this often with like life coaching clients where we have to work on putting up boundaries and saying no to certain things or certain people. And this is like saying no to somebody's face is difficult mm-hmm. in general, like turning things down like that. But it will help and extend your time on the mats if you identify the people that are highest risk for injury for you depending on whatever level you're at after a certain time nobody's going to hurt you because you have got enough technique and you can roll at five percent and it's just not going to happen but as a beginner when you identify those people that make life difficult for you it's okay to reject rolling with them and if they ask why you can be honest about it or you can just say i'm not feeling it or whatever 
Or just say you're taking a restaurant if you really want to, if you don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. I've done that a couple times where someone's asked me to roll and I say no. I typically am just, I start stretching just to not make them feel bad. Like, I'm just taking this round to myself. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad thing. It's more just about taking care of yourself and yes. figuring out where you stand with certain people. And we, I mean, we all started at one point with zero stripes on our white belt. And we all sucked. Like, everyone sucks at jujitsu. Yes. I still suck at jujitsu. You can actually go back into the YouTube channel for a to day marriage. I started a vlog as a white belt. There's only two episodes of it. And you can see how terrible I was. Yeah. And it's like a 12-minute video. But we all get, like, we all start there. Everyone just begins on their own journey in a specific way. And maybe you've been exposed to the sport. Maybe you are a wrestler. Like, I... I'm telling you right, right now, wrestlers don't suck at jujitsu on their first day as much as other people do. Right, because they have grappling experience. Yep, but they still suck at jujitsu. Yeah. So like everyone sucks for like the first six months to a year, like just yep. sucks. <laughs> but yeah, and you don't know what to do. You yeah. don't know what's going on when you're in side control, when you're yeah. in bottom mount. You don't know how to move your body. You're not understanding the mechanics. Yep. There's a lot that goes on. Well, I just actually had this conversation, I didn't even tell you about this, with Ellie on Tuesday night after women's class. We were talking, and we had both gotten striped up on the same day. And so we were talking about, like, how cool it was and how exciting it is that we're, like, growing together and we're, like, getting more stripes on our belts and things like that. And I told her, I was like, I don't feel like I've been a blue belt long enough to have a stripe on my belt. Like, it's it's crazy to me thinking about back to my white belt and... I was only a white belt for a little over two years. Like, it seems like a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't really that long. But when I was a white belt, it just felt like forever. And it wasn't that I was aiming for the blue belt. It's just like, I'm thinking about the time from my zero stripe on my, zero stripe on my white belt to my one stripe on my white belt. Like, it felt like those six months there was just an eternity. But now I had my blue belt, and then I got the first stripe on my blue belt, and I was like, I've not been a blue belt long enough for this. And then I think about it, I'm like, but I have been. And that's weird. Like, it just seems like time is flying by. And Ellie has a purple belt. Now it's a two-stripe purple belt. She was saying that she was going through the same thing. Like, when you're a white belt, everything just sucks. Like, you're constantly getting smashed. You're coming into the gym knowing you're going to get defeated every single role. Like, yes. Maybe you'll tap out one person, but they'll probably be worse than you. So it won't even feel great. And, like, you're just a white belt going through hell, basically. And then by the time you're yes. in blue, you kind of got this thing figured out a little bit. Now you can start learning on your game. And it goes by a little bit quicker because you're actually having fun when you're rolling. <laughs> and then by the time that you're a purple belt, like, now you know what you're doing. And now you're just pretty much trying to figure it out even more. And you're having even more fun when you're rolling because you're not going to die. And she was just like, I don't even know how to feel about two stripes. I was like, yeah, you're halfway to brown. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> and I was like, you're going to be a brown belt by this time next year. And she's like, Brittany, shut the fuck up right now. And I was like, Pretty sure everybody hates brown belt. <laughs> but she was saying the same thing. Like, as a white belt, even though the time is roughly the same, like for white to blue to purple to brown, as long as you're just continually yeah. training, the timing is the same. It just goes by so much quicker when you're higher. Yeah. I feel like when you're a lower belt, it's like a constant grind of suckness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe you can emphasize on it more than I can. But like my personal experience from the one stripe on my white belt to the one stripe on my blue belt, I'm like, this is a big difference. Yeah. Did you feel like uh, your blue belt went quicker than your white belt? I felt like my blue belt took forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you have the opposite. Yeah, I have the opposite. But I mean, I got my white belt in the year and or my blue belt in the year and a half. And I got my purple belt in two and a half years. So that's like nearly 50% longer amount of time I was a blue belt than a white belt. Yeah, that's true. So it's a little bit different for me. And that's an example of everybody's journey is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does make a big difference. But basically, I'm trying to tell you that if you feel like you're just not getting promoted from your instructor, or maybe you feel like every day is just a drain because you're just so sick of getting tapped out and things like that, like it does get better. And, like, the yeah. way that I emphasize that it sucks for your first six months to two years, like, it really does, but it does get better. Because then if you start thinking about it, like, let's say you're a, you're six months into your journey. You're brand new to jujitsu, but you're still six months into your journey. Those brand new people who are coming in now, you could probably do some stuff to them. And I think that that's pretty cool to think about because yes. you were them six months ago. Absolutely. And, like, the way, the way that you were getting smashed 
like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna call garrick out right now but like <laughs> garrick he was on our episode a couple weeks ago and i used to just be able to just dominate him like just he couldn't do anything it sucked for him like he what do you mean used to <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> he loved like i loved rolling with him but he also was just like oh Brittany, you just murder me like you're just it's so you're so good i'm like i'm really not that good you're just really bad oh <laughs> oh shots fired <laughs> but as time went on and now he has two stripes on his white belt and he's been getting better and better like he is so much harder for me to actually work towards and submit that, like, I know whenever I roll with him, it's going to be, like, a tough roll for me. And I can still get him, but it takes a lot more effort. And I have to tell him, I'm like, he's like, oh, you're just going to kill me. And I'm like, but you can now kill the people who are coming in. And that's really cool because you couldn't six months ago. Yes. So I think that that's really fun. And I've also had this conversation with Steve where, like, you, as a blue belt, you're getting better. And the white belts are going getting way better on an exponential scale. Yes. And we're also getting better, but because they're so good, like they're getting so good so fast because everything is new to them. Like you're still both growing. They're just growing a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's wild. It is. Yeah. Everyone's getting better. Yes. Including the white belts. <laughs> yeah. There will come a point where that white belt that you were smashing, you now have to like play real jujitsu with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I see that often. There's people who I've seen come in as white belts that are now blue belts that are tough, good, fun roles because mm-hmm. it's like they've learned a lot. I've learned a bit since they started white and turned blue, mm-hmm. but I can't just like automatically submit them now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you have to work for it. Mm-hmm. I have to work for my submissions on Garrick. Like he's not an easy easy yeah. little white belt that just was here and hanging out like he makes me work and so like i just called garrick out but there's plenty of people who are like that and i think it's super cool to see the progression between everyone it absolutely is yeah but yeah yeah so, so your white belt journey will get better yeah as long as you stick with it show up to the mats yep and the, the main things to focus on to get through that white belt suckiness learn how to breathe Number one thing I would recommend for jiu-jitsu, learn how to breathe and get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Number two is the techniques will come. You just got to spend time on the mats and go to class and keep showing up to class. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, super important. If yeah. you don't show up, you will not grow in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And so keep going. your schedule, show up, do what you can. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings that I think about, not just in jujitsu, but my life in general, is think about where you were five years ago, and you wanted everything that you have right now. And right now, everything that you want in five years, you could have it as long as you work for it. And jujitsu is the exact same way, just on a smaller time frame. And I like to do it in six months increments. So sure. like, think about where you are right now and how much you need to work on and where you're at in your journey. But think about where you were six months ago and how much better you are. Absolutely. You could absolutely kick your six months ago's ass. Yes. Even as a, if you're a black belt in this sport, you're still a way different grappler now than you probably were six months ago. Mm -hmm. Because you're just learning. And those white belts who are coming in are making you better. Because you have to learn how to defend against their styles. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so, number one, breathing. Getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. Number two, it... um, but I say show up. Yeah, show up to class. Number three is manage, learn how to manage your intensity. There are times where you want to roll hard. There's times when you want to roll light. But you get something different out of each intensity of rolling. And learning how to gauge yourself, manage your intensity will save you from injury and will also tell you, teach you techniques and will keep you on the mats for longer. Yes. Because... Even when I'm doing like 80% days, I'll roll real hard. And then like, I'm going to roll light with somebody to get back to my 80% level that I need. Yep. Yep. So I those are it's... those are the top three things that I would suggest. You also said get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, but I think that's part of breathing. Yeah. Because it's like meditation practice for me is like when I do ice baths or I do a lot of like crazy things that are tough, like mentally. And I can always focus on breathing, and that helps regulate me and helps make me comfortable with whatever uncomfortable thing is happening to me. Mm-hmm. 
And I know it's April, so this doesn't really apply anymore, but even in the winter, on those really frigid cold days, like you get in your car and you're just freezing because you were outside and the heat's not working yet and you just need to get warm, he would always tell me just breathe. Like he would tell me, do your Wim Hof breathing and it would automatically like warm you up. Yeah. Mentally puts you comfortable with the uncomfortableness. Yes. And if you can do that in jujitsu, you can absolutely do that anywhere else in life. And when you're going to ask your boss for a raise or when you're going to put in a, a notice or when you are trying something new that you've never tried or maybe going to meet your partner's parents for the first time or um, anything, anything in life, you can like focus back on your breath and like, all right, I got this. And then go fucking do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Get out there. Get after it. I hope you guys got some stuff out of this episode today. I feel like we talked about a lot and a lot more than we wanted to. And it was a lot more surface level than I wanted to be. But we want to get to open mats. So. <laughs> and you can call me Poe anytime you like. Oh, my God. No. But, <laughs> hey, Rollathon is next week. We actually won't talk to you until after that. So yes. please, please, please come to the Rollathon. If you are in the Milwaukee area or somewhere near here, like, please try to show up. There's yep. going to be so much going on. There's jujitsu for 12 hours. There's massages from Gay- from Gabriel Mesa. There is a silent auction with, like, tons of different items. There's wine. Tastings. Tacos. There's tacos. There's bagels. There's so much going on. It's all for charity. It's all jujitsu related. Like, it's just, it's going to be such a great time. I can't uh, wait. I'm going to be so excited. I'm bringing, I think I'm bringing four geese because I might change my gi every three hours or every four hours, depending on what's going on. Um, I'm going to bring peanut butter pretzels, bananas, lots of Gatorade, energy drinks. I'm going to have tacos and uh, I'm going to wear Depends so I don't have to go to the bathroom. No, and, uh, <laughs> just joking. <laughs> but it's going to be such a fun day. So please, 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 if you are around, I think you should at least just come and support and just come hang out a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Drink some wine with me because I'll be serving you. <laughs> but Fantastic. Anyway, all right. You guys have a great week. We'll see you at the Rollathon, and we will talk to you next Sunday. Yes, have a great day. Bye.